0: fellow Switches. What's up, Switches Nation? This is Sara. and this is Zoe.
1: So we're on to the continuation of the next two episodes of our episode breakdown of Motherland Fort Salem. So we're going to be talking about Episode Three, uh, which is a uh, Biddy's Life, I think, and then Episode Four, which is Beltane.
0: The first highlight of the episode is the girls excitement when the boys arrive um or the girls minus Rael she's not really overjoyed but tally is tally's right. like jumping up and down oh yeah she's just like ooh it's so liva she's like cl- 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 yeah. like couple of head going like, ooh like from the balcony we see a little bit of Tally and Abigail's friendship as well because Abigail is like she looks at Tally like she's very happy for Tally and she's excited for Tally to you know have her first time. Our second highlight is the field kiss between Rayel and Scylla and it's the one where I just I get all I don't. I really I really like it cuz there's the chin grabbing cuz yeah. Scylla is leave um without properly kissing Rael Rael goes like, like no
1: improvised <laughs> that scene like they didn't yeah. they weren't planning on having a kiss right there but then like
0: they just went for it I love it it was perfect
1: Oh yeah it was it totally it totally What was it? Spoke to the, like, who they are and kind of the balance of the relationship. I don't know. Like, yeah.
0: I loved it. The very kind of small surprise on Scylla's face. So cute.
1: Mm, Yeah. Abigail with the boys. Well, Abigail gets a little raunchy. (laughs) Let's just say that. (laughs) She's ready to show. I don't. She's ready to show what. What the bellwether's made of, and why exactly she had got five daddies, yo. <laughs> like, um, no. But seriously, she. I think part of it is she's a little. I I think she's frustrated at this point and does need a good release, especially after dealing with Rayelle and Silla. <laughs> but also, I think it's just part of kind of driven into who she is and like what. I guess comes along with her name in a way. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. it's it's kinda like, oh, the Bellwethers and their lineage, you know, that's kind of how she grew up or was like. So I think that plays a a a pat a part of that. Um and it's it was just a little unexpected how she's just like she's very domineering like let me show you soldier like you know has him up against the mantel place or whatever the wall i don't remember i just remember <laughs> like, she she's making power moves man
0: i also love how she half flirts with witch father
1: oh yeah like, he comes walking that up. was
0: so <laughs> that was so cheeky like
1: she has no bounds or knows no bounds to some degree that comes with kind of wearing her name is like, she has to have this driven confidence and give no care attitude part of it because I that's how she was raised. Her mom drove like, you know, and the name kind of drove her to that and she has to live up to it. She has to make sure part of that is like, it is an appearance. It is uh, just kind of almost like a character in a way. And I feel like part of her law, like her identity Or lack of, actually, of true identity is let me, I have to do this in a way. It just comes off that way. But at the same time, when it comes around to the guys, she, like, I think that's the one thing she can just necessarily, I don't know, like, enjoy too without, I don't know how to explain it. How my brain's thinking. (laughs) Let's move on.
0: I do think we get a bit more, or rather she feels a bit more. Freedom in this, like, yes, there's definitely a side of appearances and the whole pressure that comes with her family name. But at the same time, in this context, she's allowed to play around a lot more, which doesn't necessarily mean that she's being herself fully, but it does mean that it makes her feel confident. And that confidence is true, at least. Whereas in training and in more military-related stuff, she feels the pressure of having to be the best, of having to be this amazing born leader. Here instead, it's more, it's more like, I get to play around. I get to maintain my family status by playing around with boys. And I can enjoy that. I'm I'm truly confident in that. I don't. Well, she probably feels some pressure. Yes. But it's different, you know. And she can get a release. Yeah. It's really funny to see as well. Because she's still her confident self. She's cocky as hell. Uh, But. She's also more playful, which uh, which is a nice side to see of her. Yeah, for sure.
1: I, I like to see her just be confident in her own way that's different than, like, kind of this, like, insecure confident, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, There's a different confidence that strives through her in these scenes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Moving on, we are introduced to the Council of Witches, the War Council in this episode. And we have the first mention of the Tarim. So the Russian general brings one of the Tarim's seeds and uh, this is where we get the clue, I suppose, about older and her interest in the Tareem, which might have to do with her past and possibly even her family. Because she says that she knows that song, that it's in her blood, and later Elliot explains that hearing that song kind of makes her think of her mom and of sort of an ancient kind of legacy, I suppose. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the meeting, one of the beddies collapses, and we see the effect that that has on First Salem, because it has an effect on Alder.
1: Even Anacostia immediately knew they were walking through the garden with the... Uh, oh, it starts with a B, I can't think of her name.
0: Berinessa. Berinessa.
1: Yeah, and they were walking through the garden, and Anacostia goes like, something's wrong with Alder, and has to run off. <laughs> like, Not like... Exactly like that, but like that, <laughs> but it, yeah. And the scene represent like the biddy's life. It shows that the biddy's life has come to an end, and it takes a toll physically on Alder. I think most of all physically. I don't really think mentally, as an other than maybe kind of a little bit of emotional toll. But I feel like she really just takes the life force for their physical attributes to her own life. You know. I think it's really, really, really messed up. I want to see some other words of how the biddies are with Alder, especially how they go about choosing the next one. And how, like, I guess, I don't know, not to get into too much because there's that whole scene in the, like, biddy museum with Tally Mm -hmm. that happens. I don't even know where to start. I couldn't imagine being a biddy. I know that's seen as this revered honor, you know, a huge thing that's of huge importance. And Tally makes note of that. And I, (laughs) I knew right after that episode, I was telling everyone in the group chat. I was telling you, I was like, Tally is going to become a biddy or volunteer to become a biddy. She's going to do it, like, and all that. And everyone's like, "Mm, I really don't think Tally would do that. She's just like still taking it all in and just you know wants to feel pride for it. I was like no this is foreshadowing or something you know I said that I was yes, like yes you didn't happened like as soon as the scene honestly to be honest part of it was like even when the trailer hit I think I started saying that like the scenes of it like I didn't fully compress it but I was like something's gonna go down like the, the short scene that mm-hmm.
0: I don't remember that but yeah maybe <laughs>
1: Anyway, so then what happens is how they chose the biddy. And you could see how uncomfortable Anacostia was with it. You mm-hmm. could see the uncomfortability of how she had explained to the girl that you're chosen, you know. And this girl goes like, oh, when do you need it? You know, kind of like thinking she's going to get prepared for this, you know. You, We want to choose you to be a biddy. Maybe you go into like, some sort of special training to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what does it happen? Anacostia's like, Now! <laughs> <laughs> and she's like do i bring any of my things and all that and they say and she literally tells her like no you don't <laughs> like you when you give up your life I, or when you're necessarily sacrificed <laughs> to give up your life you don't get to take things that are yours anymore your life is now alders at that point mm-hmm and i could see how hard it was on anacostia in a way to, for her to choose it. it you could see the toll it took especially when the girl like left the room and anacostia's face it just it sits with me and then the scene when they're pretty much wishing as soon as she passes the biddy turns back to her normal age and mm-hmm. a biddy life is only what on average 6 years like 6 to 8 or something in there and You could see, like, we all think they're older ladies and it's, like, it's just contributing because they're giving all their youth to Alder and the fact that she requires so many. I'm, like, at the beginning, when we see this big portrait of her and she had, what, only two biddies when she went into battle, the description of the painting or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Over the years, she's gained so much more and it's, like, I mean, like, how long are you going to continuously drain people's life forces and add people to your physical army just to maintain this youth or this uh, these abilities i think that's kind of very selfish because if you look at all the other um war generals and stuff never like had that or, or mention of it and even i think it was the russian one who was looking at alder very skeptically because she started showing signs of not being mm-hmm. i think because her other her biddy wasn't being too well right before then. They, show- they zoomed in on her hands and stuff and he was very like what is that kind of thing and then as they're watching the other girl pass away the other one just rested her hand on her shoulder and literally we watched her age like 50 60 years just to be able to give it to Alder and I was just like damn
0: yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah um I don't think I've I've got anything to add to that I didn't read as much into Tally's comments but um no it's totally true that it was absolutely foreshadowing um and in that sense you know obviously for you it will have just been exciting to see your theory confirmed oh yes for me i think that at first i was like oh oh okay so that's why we had that scene earlier on and then looking back now I'm almost kind of disappointed because motherland does a lot of foreshadowing about a lot of things about a lot of twists that we see in the second part of the show and most of them I enjoy most of them are like subtle enough but you know subtle but at the same time Oh, God, how do you say that word? Pregnant? Dude. What? Okay, this literally just hit
1: me in the head. What if... So Tally is an exceptional, like, knower, you know? What if she had the ability more so for self-foreshadowing, and in the scenes that she knew, she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know what else to do, blah, 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 blah. But she saw herself becoming a bitty at some point. Like through dream <laughs> or vision, because I mean, if 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 Raelle could have certain visions of port, this is like the whole thing where I say you know Rayelle has the ability of all the classes. I mean, she's not going to be a strong blaster nowhere stronger than like Abigail or Tally would be in their own field. But I feel like she has contribution like factors of all. You know, what if like Tally like in a weird way had like vision visionary? Because if you if if you think about it. Watching Tally kind of grow from this characteristic of just, like, feeling like it's her duty to protect people, and that's why she enlisted, and then learning over time, the manipulate people. like, And especially after what happened with Alder and lying about City Drop, I doubt she was willing to just sacrifice her life. Like, she's like, you know, there were people in there. They made the call. She was very upset about that. And I know they had that conversation right before they got to the cave. But I feel like that wouldn't just be an excuse for Tally to be like, oh, okay, all's forgiven now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we see this evolution of Tally thinking the purpose of why she joined isn't there. It's not a solid motivation for her anymore. Like, seeing her evolve from this is bigger than just protecting people, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes the people don't want it. And, like, watching her evolve, so, like, I think it was more so disappointing initially thinking... She's willing to just give that all back up. She's like, I couldn't think of anything else. But realizing they need all their kind of thing. And she's willing to sacrifice. Like, all that feels like she gives up her own resolve for trying to find her own identity. And why she just, like, really joined and why she's there. But then it hit me. Like, what if there's something she's not telling us? And she, this is how she figured it was going to have to play out, kind of, you know? Um, you just, you,
0: you, oh, okay. That <laughs> was a lot. Um, <laughs> I don't know where going, man. Maybe. I mean, everything is possible. Willa is alive, so everything's possible. Okay, I knew Willa was, like, freaking alive after that. I know. I <laughs> so know. I was saying that. I was like,
1: she ain't dead. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, she ain't dead. But no one was really listening to me then. It's okay, though. <laughs> I will tell you, I am a person... Not that I try to ruin movies or shows, but I predict a lot of stuff through movies and shows over time that I've, like, kind of annoyed, especially my mom. She's like, Zoe, seriously, like, we're literally not even a fourth through the movie. You know who the bad guy is. You know how it ends. And you've never seen this movie before. Like, I tell her pretty much how it's going to end up. And she was just like, how do you do that? And, like, I don't know. Like, my brain and theories and they just go. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, it, it could be. I've uh, Okay, well, now I'm not going to be surprised because you, you said that. So now if it happens, I'm not going to be surprised.
1: <laughs> if it doesn't happen, you'll just be like, well, Zoe's wrong. Which, obviously, I have been wrong several times in my life. Have you? Have I? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah.
0: We'll get this uh, written down into the theories book <laughs> so that you get credit when it actually happens.
1: If it does, but, you know, there's something going on. I just, I don't know.
0: Okay, and with that, um, the next highlight is back to Rayan and Scylla. Because in the museum, oh we my... get... Yay. <laughs> we get to the family trees scene, and... Rael waits for everybody to have left before she checks hers. And then Scylla appears behind her and hugs her from behind and it's it oh. And she goes, Miss me. Miss me always
1: always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just oh Silla finds Rael like everywhere, that girl. <laughs> I think she secretly has a tracker on her, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> just kidding but seriously
0: i oh. mean i wouldn't put it past her but yeah at some point like riel turns in her arms a little and it's 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 just perfect i know it's so perfect just the small little things like that
1: and just how they hold they really show their intimacy and like part of it is like i cannot stress this point enough the chemistry between Amalia Holmes and Taylor Hickson is amazing because there's plenty of scenes where people have tried to be romantic and do things like that mm-hmm. that doesn't come across like that it's like oh this is definitely kind of like a forced relationship they're acting like you can see the genuine like reality of how probably you know they do miss each other if they're not hanging out like they're like probably like friends or just have this natural essence to them that's on top of their taking their friendship and relationship of you know Rael and Scylla to just more than just what's shown on camera but it's just shown to a different level like i don't know how to explain it it's it's amazing
0: it is it absolutely is um,
1: about what it was amalia saying how she was like she was trying to sweep like uh, Taylor off her feet and like pursuing her on on an offset. They were just like, I tried to treat it like a date and things like that. And I was just mm-hmm. like,
0: oh, gay. <laughs> like, okay. But I am grateful because we don't get portrayals like this a lot, and the authenticity in it throughout throughout the relationship is just refreshing and amazing you know what it says a lot about the portrayal of a same-sex couple when i don't feel the need to go and read long fan fictions it does because like everything is there there's nothing missing on the show there's uh you know there's no need for fans to then build up on the representation to improve it you know to add something else okay the, i'm i'm going into dangerous territory here and zoe is going <laughs> to is going to wish that i hadn't said it probably but what
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but just to, to put like opposite example that everybody will probably know Klexa. Claxo was such oh a huge I know I know I know but Klaxa was such a hugely important ship and couple for so many reasons and I don't think we're ever going to forget Klaxa. like this is this is going to stay with us for at least our generation of queers there it's like it's set
1: sail to the gay ships like I'm sorry to like a degree I mean there are definitely other things there but they were heavily a monumental ship that was very
0: sadly they, still hurt, they, like sunk before our eyes <laughs> like, they became so important to real life movements like Klexa had huge impact God. on actual activism that was impressive but unlike what we get in motherland the the thing that made Klexa great was the fans was what the fans read into it and obviously the chemistry between the actresses was there as well because the chemistry between Alicia and Eliza was incredible and the way that Alicia played Lexa was i mean ugh. yeah um it, it was it was kind of a phenomenal interpretation the the character see now now I go back sometimes now that it's been a while I go back sometimes to those scenes and and I realized that writing wise the character wasn't even written that well like it wasn't that deep they didn't put a lot into Lexa's character it was Alicia that did most of the work you know she, she- not originally in the books
1: either like they wrote her yeah. character in
0: yeah and alicia really brought it to life she probably didn't even have much to work with so she did an amazing <laughs> job Like, come mm? on. i said she's our head she's our commander i know i know i know <laughs> oh, i can't believe you brought this up i hate you i know but what i was trying to say is with klaxa I cannot tell you the number of fan fictions that I read about Claxa. It's like I read more I probably spent more time reading fan fictions than actually watching the show. Okay, bitch, what you talking about? I'm still reading it. I was reading something this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense, yeah. But that's because we needed the fan fictions. Because we didn't have enough with just what we got from the show. So we had to build on it. We had to really expand the characters into proper stories for them because we weren't given, the, the show did not do them justice. Well, you know who didn't do them justice. He's got a name, but I'm not gonna say his name because he doesn't deserve it. But um, anyway, I'm not bitter, I'm not. But that's, that's what we usually get usually we need to build a lot on same-sex couples, especially Suffolk couples. And this may be something that I personally feel and people might not agree, but for me, Rayla is very much complete in the show. Mm -hmm. While I appreciate fan fictions about Rayla and I might have written something myself, Oh, bitch!
1: <laughs> I even wrote one.
0: I know. <laughs> but I don't feel the need to go and read fanfictions. I don't need fanfictions to get into the couple and to fully feel like I'm part of it. Like, I'm not, not I'm part of it, but like I'm seeing their life. I understand them. They feel real and they feel like real people and a real relationship within the show, which is great, and it's a it's a big achievement, considering the context of queer representation and where we're at with it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So then we're introduced to one of the greatest frenemy relationships of <laughs> all time, Abiba. I will call it Abibba. I don't care if Ashley renamed it to Libigale. <laughs> I originally came up with a bibba and it's in my heart we have our dumb noodling nene horse from a dumb <laughs> nobody family <laughs> and they have a fight well i guess a presentation a speech of their ancestral like beginnings and who it came from what and because they're both high atlantics they were very um Toe-to-toe with each other and then Abigail comes up and she just shuts Libba and her BS down. Like she just gets up there and she tears into her. And Garrett and Tally, I think, are watching and like Tally's just like amazed by it. And Garrett's like, I've been seeing this all like their entire lives growing up. It's nothing new, you know? <laughs> But yes, that scene was kind of iconic in that way, just showing a little more powerhouse of how Abigail can be when it comes to her family name and just, you know, carrying this weight that is the bellwether title.
0: Mm -hmm. And also, I just have to add that the end of that scene with Abigail just stepping down from the... What'd you call it? It wasn't a stage, but was it like a pedestal kind of thing? Yeah, sort of. So she steps down, and she walks in front of Libba, and there's just there's just this tension between them that is so electric. And in those moments, they have a couple of those moments throughout throughout the show, before Libba dies. But they really speak of how much more there was to be told of their story together which is why i just can't let go i just can't accept Libba's death because there was so much more to tell there was so much more to show and we don't get any of that we just get a tiny bit before she dies in city drop
1: yeah, I mean, that was one of the most upsetting deaths, like, I would have to say for me in this season, just because they have could have shown the evolution of them more so, like, you know, and following each other when they, they came to the conclusion that she would follow her into battle. She was a great leader, vice versa, kind of thing. You're just like, oh, my God, they've kind of come to terms. But she definitely would keep Abigail on her toes, even if they've kind of come to this mutual agreement of... We tolerate each other and secretly support each other, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that kind of... It, it's also, in a way, showing the evolution of Abigail and Raelle, even. Saying they're both very strong-headed people. And in ways, Abigail, um, who definitely is like, boom, like kind of bred, but definitely born to be a leader. Raelle kind of is, too. She makes up her own minds and opinions. She doesn't really always, though, consider the fact of how it impacts others around her. But she does when it needs to be done knows how to kind of pull her team together in a way too you know and I think it was kind of like a frenemy like evolution too in the sense of from the beginning where we see her and Abigail to the end you know that I definitely can see just the evolution of in general their cause or quotation mark I say that very loosely because everyone's cause is different and what actually is the cause you know, um, that they just can come together even through all their differences to to do something for that's something bigger than them for like the greater another quotation mark good, you know
0: mm-hmm. and our next highlight is on the camarilla. Some people seeing this scene pointed it out immediately um because we get. Rael and Scylla walking in into this room, still in the museum, and they are looking at weapons that were used to torture witches and kill them. And Scylla comments on it and says that it's not over yet, that violence is still going on. And as she says that, we get a close-up of one specific weapon which is labelled as the Camarilla Scythe. We've talked about this in previous episodes, um, but this was, if we're doing a reaction episode, then this was a big moment, because personally for us at that point, obviously we were in the group chat and a lot of people pointed it out. We're like, this is going to be important. This is foreshadowing of something. So what is the Camarilla? And it was, how is this important? What does this mean? And that's how the Camarilla theory was born. And we've talked about that and we've explained that, for example, I immediately went to research into the Inquisition weapons. And it turned out some of us had a point. And that was actually foreshadowing of the Camarilla being back. I don't even remember if. I had like noticed it as in stopped and was like, oh, that's foreshadowing before it was discussed in the group chat, I I really don't remember. But after we discussed it in the group chat, I was kind of obsessed with that scene. I was like, if this is really foreshadowing, oh my God, the, the theory is like so good, this could actually happen." And when it did happen and it was, it was one of the major twists after Willa being alive. So that was fun. Well, to introduce the
1: scene, I have to go to technically the night before. Porter decides to visit Scylla at her barrack that night. And Scylla invites him in and knows that he's going to be a problem into infiltrating rayel Not that she has it already. (laughs) Oh my god! Okay, keep it PG. I'm just (laughs) saying, like we all know what happens with those two. I mean, it happened in the first episode, for Pete's sake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, and pretty much, Silas like. I gotta get rid of him, (laughs) like, kind of in a way, so being the master manipulator she is, she apologizes in a way to him and all that, and then whisper, like, you know, well, we first did not believe that she was like, you know, kisses him and whispers something into his ear blah 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 and the next scene we pretty much see is Raelle heading to Scylla's barrack and literally Porter just getting launched off the roof somehow so we don't fully like no I we believe that she you know told him what to do and Porter's like yeah just you know gets flung off like you know, you're shooting a watermelon out of a catapult and lands right in front of Rayelle, who just goes like, what? <laughs> Not really, she doesn't go like that. She panics and tries to heal him and stuff, well, fix him. And um, she, like, then absorbs some of the properties and he's trying to warn her off and then bl- he dies. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> To be honest, I still wasn't that upset about his death. <laughs> like I'm just like, he he done messed up. Like, you know, I know that Scylla him and all that, but like, he done still messed up. You don't mess with Rayella. And then, no, you don't. Um, and then, but we see a scene of Rayel like, passing out, and all she sees is Scylla in the background, kind of faded to the side. And Silla kind of looks kind of concerned, but I feel like to level she's a little more concerned of, like, oh, shit. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) Like, this is not good. (laughs) Here's the boy I kind of just told to kill himself, and then there's my girlfriend just passed out next to him. (laughs) Like, ooh. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, there was a play-by-play of that. There wasn't even really reaction to it. I was just a play-by-play.
0: <laughs> I'm sure everybody enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, <laughs> so here's here's something that says a lot about what kind of person I am. You mentioned the kiss, and when the kiss was happening, I was like, you better be kissing him to kill him. Like, this better be a way to yeah, kill I him. <laughs> That was the only way I was gonna accept the kiss. I was like, no, this is cheating unless you're trying to kill him. And I was like, well, she killed him. So that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. (laughs) So I'm sorry if I'm a bad person, but like, yeah, kill the guy, but don't cheat
1: i know we're all like trying to be like why did she do it blah 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 and i like i was kind of coming up with ideas like she's trying to fill the air the space you know that's why you know how they have the balloons and when they pop they like release a command like for them to jump off the top of the mall and stuff and i was like maybe maybe somehow like his lung capacity she had to kiss him you know and there was like it was a slow, kind of, pre long like, the kiss, she was releasing the commands into his lung capacity. <laughs> like, I was thinking of all this extreme thought, I was like, there's no way she would just fucking kiss him. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way she would just effing kiss him.
0: Yeah, there were a few theories going on, and I loved yours, to be honest.
1: I think it would have been cool, though, if that was a way to, like, kill someone. Like okay, that sounds a little messed up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do think our general reaction, the reaction of probably a lot of people, was just like a "wtf" situation at first. Well, not just at first, actually throughout, because like even later, his his death, like she made him commit suicide. That's not cool. So I think the whole scene was just that. Yeah, what the heck is going on? Although, I don't know, okay, what's your take on this? Because, like, people are conflicted about this. Do you think that Scylla was actually sad about having to kill him? I think partially
1: yes and no. Now that I know a bit more about her parents and all that, I think it's kind of like, oh, this is just the consequence or repercussion of... A bigger battle a bigger fight and thinking about probably that was like her first person she directly had to kind of kill you know mm-hmm. because if you remember the scene when the you know the fake raelle who's <laughs> making out why is everyone making out with someone they shouldn't be first of <laughs> of all, um like started choke holding it and said you messed up with the porter you know kind of thing and we had to clean it up clean up that mess you know
0: mm-hmm. it was like saying
1: she hadn't really like killed someone I feel like on her own before or like you know caused a death like that so I think part of it for sure there's maybe some sort of sadness because you think about also saying like they grew up together like fleeing you know there's stuff that was still unsaid and unknown there but she was still very like mindset into what she has to do now and Rael which was part of what she has to do, like, mindset, her mission, is, like, thinking, like, this is gonna, this has to be done and all that. That was part of my past. But you can't completely get rid of your past, you know what I mean? hmm So I think yes, but also no. Does that make sense? Like, there's just that small form of Brandon, like, her first, like, kind of kill. But, like, I don't know if she's, like, truly upset about it. <laughs> Right, but, like, okay. Because also how she described, her parents were, like, fleeing and they had a, they were trying to bring him in and then the accident, they, you know, ha- happened pretty much accident, quotation marks, where it's like, oh, they don't really bring him in, they just kill him kind of thing. And, like, you are, a reper- like, not a repercussion, but the consequence of your action kind of thing. It's just, like, he was going to get in the way. This consequence of your actions is, like, going to ruin the whole plan, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know how to do it, how to say, but yeah, that's my opinion.
0: Fair enough, okay. I thought she looked actually sad, which doesn't mean that she wasn't going to do it, or that she hesitated. I don't think she hesitated. I just do think that she was sad about it. And I don't know if perhaps Porter might be part of that remorse that Anacostia felt when she went into Scylla's mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so the last scene that we have for this episode is concerning a certain owl that later became kind of famous.
1: <laughs> the hoot hoops, <laughs> that bird. There's a lot of bird themes, though, too, if
0: you think about it, like the
1: bird's skull.
0: Mm-hmm the bird that goes into Porter to make him talk again after he's dead
1: yeah and the whole birds during Beltane
0: <laughs> like yeah <laughs> the, you know the
1: birds that's what it me of you know the whole horror movie Hitchcock and all
0: did you even um okay so obviously now everybody knows about the owl because someone made a crack account of it <laughs> And got the attention <laughs> like, of the god. whole cast and okay, just became no, like, fandom famous. What the heck? That was like the start of all the
1: crack counts. Like, oh my <laughs> god! And then there was like what the bed, Motherland, Flower, Scully, or you know, yeah. Oh, and I'm trying to think about someone made. Oh wait, what was it? Someone made. What was what was the most ridiculous one?
0: Uh, I mean, there was the lobster yeah like what the I the bed and the lobster were very like the bed that they did <laughs> like... but yeah so the owl started it all and he only act- he or she I don't know what the owl's pronouns are but they <laughs> only they only appear in the actual show for like a second or two yeah which well, is really he... funny because Garrett's like, I'ma call myself an owl to show
1: you <laughs> how how a bird calls are sexy. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> I mean, have you ever tried that with a girl? Maybe it works. I I I have not. Maybe I should. <laughs> you should, yes. Learn how to call an owl to you.
1: Oh, actually have an owl arrive too. That that's gonna be the game changer. <laughs> Just using bird calls is one thing, but actually having an owl arrive on scene.
0: You know, I had a little um wooden owl when I was a kid and it was one of those oh god, like one of those whistle thingies that you can use to actually call birds. It oh never worked, but it well. was very cute. <laughs> <It> never <laughs> worked. Yeah, I, I would always try it at night. I would just stay in my window at night and and just try to use it to call the birds. And an owl never appeared. But, yeah, I tried.
1: <laughs> I had game, too. I mean, you have a girlfriend right now, so actually, you know what, you
0: know. I do go game. Yeah. <laughs> right, but what did you think? of the scene when you first saw it to be honest i I
1: might have kind of passively kind of ignored it because i think i was still reacting to i think the scene before (laughs) it overall or just like there was something i think real happening there was something more important happening before (laughs) i was still recuperating from that See, Garrett's and Tally's storyline never really fully drew me in. Like, I was so happy for Tally and all that, but, like, Garrett, I'm just, like, you little F-boy. <laughs> like, I knew he was too good to be true, first of all. Kind of attitude, and I'm surprised that Abigail didn't kind of warn Tally off a bit more, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe, or just be like, yeah, you know, Highlander, he probably has someone, like, you know, between right, all yeah, is kind of, like, assigned so, I don't know, like, for that, I was just like a little meh. I thought calling the bird was kind of cool, but then the rest, I was just like, okay, you know, this isn't real. I like, I don't want to see it. <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> well, I liked Garrett at first. See, I think that he needed more depth because we can't really appreciate him because we don't know him. We don't know anything about him specifically. He's been a love interest and that's all that we've seen him as so I can't actually say oh I like Garrett like I don't mind him and I find him I think he's cute I think Kai is fun and I really appreciate Kai but I don't know much about Garrett but at the same time I like this because it shows you a role reversal that isn't just within the show it's like with the way that they're making the show you know usually the girl um, if she's not a protagonist, she's she's just a love interest, and we don't get she's not explored as a character. You know, she's just the love in, love interest of the protagonist. And here we see the opposite: the guy is just the love interest of the lead, and that's cool too. So it does mean that we can't exactly just like him, like him as a character, because there's not anything specific or personal to relate to or appreciate about him but I appreciate the concept okay so episode 4 is all about Beltane and the post porter incident who
1: killed the boy he <laughs> should have just been like who killed the boy murder mystery
0: <laughs> okay what's your favorite highlight of this episode zoe
1: okay it has to be when after everything's said and done, Rael and Scylla by their tree and Rael pretty much proclaiming, like, you know, whoever you were, whoever you are, whoever you pretty much will be, like, you know, I'm here for you kind of thing. And I was just like, holy shizzle nut. <laughs> like the amount of motion and vulnerability that she gives to Scylla, you know, letting her know that I don't care about what has happened what will happen kind of thing this is us now like i'm here for you and just how she holds her face looks her in the eyes and like kisses her and as they're walking through the trees and it's so beautifully lit this is where some of the greatest cinematography like scenes come through it's just the imagery you know the flora the fauna and honestly you can tell by the end of the season, too, the sadness of that exact same area tree. It looks like, you know, death and wilting, and it's not as colored. It definitely is not as colored, and it's just very heavy on the yellow set tones and sadness versus the very bright. It's just, it's it's amazing to show the emotions and capture that also through their landscape.
0: Well said. That scene is... It's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. and the the whole I'm in this with you, whoever you are, whoever you wear, I'm in, I'm with you. It's just Oh. Yeah, it's like her pretty much
1: proposing in a way to Scylla, like, hey, guess what, girl? This is a promise. This is the promise flower, promise ring, just promise word. <laughs> I'm be there for you, boo.
0: <laughs> it was it was such a beautiful beautiful scene I think it might be my favorite of this episode too because how can it not
1: exactly I mean you have other great moments especially like with her and Byron (laughs) hanging out and things like that (laughs) you know the small things in between but I think the actual like I guess sacrifice and realizing is like you know when Byron says isn't it worth it you know is it worth it kind of thing and she comes to terms with like Scylla is worth it Mm-hmm. and it you're just like oh my god she loves her <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean we know she does how could I she know, not but,
1: but this is like full-on proclamation knowing know. that silla's past kind of haunted her and she's very she doesn't like speak out about stuff like that you know as normal and she's like waiting for Cilla to give her bits and pieces of her story in her past and she's like you know what you've told me enough. I mean, I don't know if she told her enough, but she told her enough to <laughs> come to a conclusion that she is going to be there for her. She wants to be there for her. She wants to be with her.
0: I also love how this kind of gives us an idea of if they, if Rail, and Scylla had had, you know, had had the romance in a more normal, common setting without the whole agent of the spree involved. Rael's got a way to say I love you in so many different ways without ever needing to say the words. The next episode, we're going to react to the wedding episode, and Scylla will tell Rael that she loves her, and Rael will not respond. But the truth is that Rael is saying I love you just in other ways and this whole I'm in whoever you are whoever you wear was a way to say I love you
1: if that's not a declaration of love I don't know what is and also you be dumb and heartless if you don't think it is like <laughs> that is ugh, if a girl told me that I don't know what I, I just break down crying probably I just feel like oh my god
0: Yeah, and next episode, um, Rael is going to give Scylla the, the charm, the protection charm, which is yet another way. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean to be, need to be a declaration of, I'm in love with you. But it is proof of her love. And there's this thing in relationships where, oh man. I'm going on a rant here. Are you ready? I don't know. (laughs) Well, ready or not, here I go. I just feel like people's idea of relationships is always like waiting for the next step. So you go on a date and the first next step would be go on a second date. And then once you've done that is don't know have sex and then once that is out of the way the next step is get together or you know you can flip those two depending um and then you know it's uh i don't know meet the friends and then maybe spend a holiday together and then you're waiting for one of you to say i love you and then you're waiting for the anniversary and you know, a big gesture for that. And maybe then you're waiting to move in and then you're waiting for a proposal. And it's always like, there's always this idea that you live a relationship waiting for the next step. And that takes away the present. It takes away the importance of where you're at right now and what you're feeling right now. I don't want to be waiting for my significant other to be feeling more. I want to enjoy what we're both feeling right now. And I think that, again, in a different context, Riel would have showed us this. I mean, she shows us this in in little ways um, in the limited context that we have, obviously, because episode is going to be their last episode together um, so she doesn't have a lot of time to show this but she does do all this these little things that are not really little, they're actual declarations and they might not be declarations of I am madly in love with you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you they're declaration of I have very strong feelings for you right now and this is important right now because it's what i'm feeling right now i am choosing you and i want to let you know this without having to make promises to get married one day i mean we've been together six months maybe more at that point but you know what i mean i really appreciate it i think it's really really beautiful that we get to see how real expresses her love in different ways
1: exactly and like it's never gonna be the same for anyone like in any type of relationship it's like there's no rules to saying like yeah i have to go out and buy someone's this much of stuff or take them out this many times you know what i mean like everyone's declaration of love is going to be different to each of their own and how they share that with their partner or partners if you're into that um and it's just saying like it's kind of like saying, like, some people move fast, some people move slow, you know, I have my best friend, like, you know, just got married after dating a guy less than a year, and, like, personally, I don't think I could ever do that, but how they clicked, and how their relationship worked for each other, like, I could see it from an outside perspective, it's, like, it just, like, meshed so wonderfully, that it's it's rare to see that short period. But, like, you know, they're very happy. And, like, I'm so happy for her. Things like that. But while some other people I see in a relationship. And I'm like, oh, uh, you... I don't know if you guys should be getting married anytime soon. <laughs> you, got some, you got some kinks to work out. You know? Yeah. But not to be in a mean way. But everyone's, like, there is no definition, truly, of what love is to each other. Or, like, what is a definition of love and how you need to show it or define it.
0: Yeah. And I love that we get to see this in the details of Motherland. At the dance, at the Beltane dance, there's a lot going on. For example, um there's a moment where Abigail and Libba come together and they're dancing very close. <laughs> In each other's faces, (laughs) they're like bumping chest like
1: but also at the same time, it's like, this is Beltane. (laughs)
0: Yep. It's it's so perfectly mixed. The almost sexual tension that could also just be hating each other. That's so perfect. Oh yeah. And I'm only gonna say this and say that my reaction to it um, was screaming. I screamed, I did, um, I did, I screamed when I saw Glory leave the dance with three girls, I screamed. You all know how obsessed I am with that, so anyway,
1: so then we enter the very iconic scene of Tally blossoming and becoming a woman. <laughs> Those are the most cheesy way to enter. Well, we always knew um from the beginning, the first pretty much episode and Tally wanted to see everyone else's mark and she's like a shiny <laughs> like and that was like the butt of jokes for the rest of like a while till the like fourth episode came out and this girl got her shine on <laughs> and also possibly groping. <laughs> Actually like oh well this seat <laughs> like in her chest area <laughs> which is hilarious because they she has her arms around Rael and abigail as they're walking through and they're just talking about <laughs> how um uh you know she got it she got it good <laughs> last night and um they were all they're happy for her for sure um, and just Tally is living on cloud nine. <laughs> she's just, mm, and she's shiny. Luckily, her mark is a little more visible area than, uh, Rael's. Luckily? There, yeah, yeah, and there has been speculation about where, um, where, uh, Scylla's is. Like, <laughs> but no one knows.
0: I mean, Raelle knows.
1: Rayelle knows! <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... It was great to see Tally to be able to evolve from this kind of innocence of herself and kind of becoming her own woman and experiencing things she wouldn't have or and hasn't had on her matrifocal compound. you know
0: what I love about that scene is just seeing the unit together having fun and just being friends, yeah. Yeah, the way that they care for each other and the dynamic and how that is evolving at this point in the series because Riel is opposing less resistance, let's say. Like the way that she shows up at the dance just for her unit, because she didn't care, but she knew that Abigail and Tally really did care about this dance, So so she shows up, she shows up for them. I think this is the first time that Rail does this. That it's a real showing up for your team kind of thing. It just yeah,
1: she showed up to the Beltane dance, like she showed up late, but she showed because she knew how important it was, especially yeah. to Tally. And she said, pretty much like you know, she's like, well, if if like when they're talking about outfits, if it's banking on Tally getting late, she needs to change her dress. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and it's it's so nice i know i always say this to unit scenes but i i love the evolution of their dynamic as far as actual reactions go i think i was just like smiling really softly and widely at this scene cuz it was such a warm nice scene yeah it just
1: mm it's just like the warm fire it's like you know when you all just it's a kind of chilly evening in the middle of what fall and y'all you decide to hang out with your friends and have a campfire sing along bring all those snacks and stuff it's kind of like one of those warm heartfelt like bonding times with a group of people that are special to you and you wouldn't be doing it with anyone else kind of thing it was a really weird analogy but it just (laughs) came
0: like what the f- <laughs> that's the feeling though yeah so obviously this isn't over guys we have episode five and six to react to and then seven and eight and then nine and ten so that means three more episodes of us just breaking down a whole motherland episode and reacting to it for now thank you for listening And thank you, uh, Linda, for the request. If you have any requests, anyone, just leave a comment, send us a message, get in touch. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Switches Podcast.
1: Worst case scenario, send us a flare. You know, shoot up a flare gun. Pew, pew. We probably won't see it. (laughs) Uh Just truth
0: be fact, that would be cool, but we probably will not see it. Let us know, though, if you do that, because that's yeah. cool. Take a picture, we'll exactly. see the picture. Uh, okay, guys, thank you for tuning in. Onward to glory, soldiers.